It's 11 o'clock. I'm Kenny Hodgart. Tonight's headlines. Health officials have reported a COVID outbreak involving 30 people at a restaurant in Cheungwan. The oldest infected diner is 117 years old. The government has cut its economic growth forecast for this year to 1-2%, to 2%, down, from the, down from the 2 to 3.5% predicted in February. And the chairwoman of LegCo's House Committee, Starry Lee, says the government will submit restructuring proposals to LegCo as early as next week. Health officials have reported a COVID outbreak involving 30 people at a Chinese restaurant in Shengwan. The Centre for Health Protection says 29 were diners who visited the Sky Cuisine restaurant on Saturday evening and that the oldest is aged 117. The other patient works at the restaurant. The centre's Dr Chang Shuk Kwan said more than 200 patrons would have to be tested. We are still interviewing the patients and, uh, and their uh, family contacts. So, so far we understand uh, most of them are sitting on the third floor of the restaurant and we are still ascertaining the distribution of the cases in the, in the table, the sittings. So we understand uh, maybe more than 10 tables are involved so far. Top microbiologist Yen Kwok Young says there's no need to worry over a COVID-19 outbreak in Kennedy Town, despite an earlier warning from the University of Hong Kong. Professor Yuan says Hong Kong has already built up a barrier against serious coronaviruses because, because more than 90% of people have either been infected or vaccinated. He says the priority is to keep case numbers low. You can no longer eliminate or eradicate the virus, so you enter into another stage. We control it. It means that so long as you can keep the infections at a low level, it won't paralyze your medical system and deaths and serious cases are kept to a minimum, then it's fine. So Hong Kong's already entering that stage. I don't want to argue about some wordings above this. I don't want to get into an argument. The government has cut its economic growth forecast for the year to 1-2%. to That's down from an earlier estimate of 2-3.5%. to The Hong Kong economy shrank by 4% in the first quarter. Government economist Adolf Lung says that while local economic activity should pick up in the second half, growth will continue to be bogged down by external factors. Global economic prospects have worsened, which may continue to weigh on Hong Kong's export performance. Persisting tension in Ukraine will likely keep international energy and commodity prices elevated and aggravate disruptions to supply chains and transportation. At the same time, major central banks are expected to expedite their monetary policy tightening in light of rising inflation. The evolving global pandemic and development of China-U.S. relations will add further uncertainties. The CEO of the Hong Kong General Chamber of Commerce, George Lung, says that while he expects a further contraction in this quarter, he is optimistic. Following the relaxation of the social restriction, I hope that uh, there will be some rebound in economic activities in the second half of the year. So uh, it will end up with somewhat a very mild increase uh, throughout the year. And I hope by 2023, we hopefully, if there's uh, no more further another round of pandemic, then we will positively see uh, a stronger uh, positive growth. The chairwoman of LegCo's House Committee, the DAB's Starry Lee, says the administration intends to submit its government restructuring proposals to LegCo for scrutiny as early as next week. 
speaking through an interpreter. She said the director of the chief executive's office, Eric Chan, hopes lawmakers will set up a panel now so that they can examine the proposals as they become available. He suggests that um, members would consider first setting up a subcommittee to consider the restructured proposal and hopefully then this proposal could be passed before the end of June and the new government could then form its um, ruling team as soon as possible. And a look at the weather. The amber rainstorm warning remains in effect. It's currently cloudy with showers. Showers will be heavy at times with a few squally thunderstorms. Temperatures will range between 24 and 27 degrees, with moderate southwesterly winds becoming south to southeasterly gradually. The outlook? There will be heavy showers at first and a few squally thunderstorms on Sunday. Showers will lessen gradually and temperatures will fall to around 19 degrees on Monday. Sunny periods are forecast in the following couple of days. Temperature at the observatory now is 24 degrees and humidity is at 97%. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is 5 minutes past 11. Patient's rights advocate Tim, Tim Pang has called on mortuary and funeral parlour workers to strengthen communication and verification steps when handling bodies. Tianmen Hospital yesterday apologised for mixing up two corpses, which resulted in the wrong body being cremated. Mr Pang, who's from the Society for Community Organisation, says that while he understands the workload of mortuary workers has increased amid the Omicron, out, uh, the Omicron wave, the in incident is simply unacceptable. During the outbreak, a lot of COVID patients, up to 200 more dead toes per day. And then every day in normal time, we are talking about 100 more people died of various causes. So it will create more pressure to the staff of the mortuary. But I don't think it is an excuse that such incident could happen. So we hope that the hospital will investigate this incident fully. Authorities in Shanghai say they are aiming to eliminate all COVID infections within the next few days before easing traffic restrictions and reopening schools and shops. Violet Wong reports. While the number of new COVID cases reported in Shanghai rose by around 650 to almost 2,100, local authorities say the outbreak is easing because most of the new cases were found in quarantine areas. Community cases, or those that happen outside tightly regulated quarantine zones, are seen as an indication of whether the outbreak is spreading. Shanghai's Deputy Mayor Wu Qing says the city is looking to resume normal life as soon as possible. We have to work hard to achieve zero COVID at the community level by the middle of this month. By then, we would gradually reopen in an orderly manner and allow the limited flow of people. He said authorities in the financial hub are now working on a plan to allow the gradual resumption of mass production in factories, ease traffic restrictions, open supermarkets and department stores, and let residents head back to work and school. However, Mr Wu warned there were still major challenges and rebound risks, especially in the older parts of the city, where the sanitation infrastructure is weaker. As Shanghai looked to lift some of its curbs, officials in Beijing urged people to stay home while dispelling rumours that a lockdown was looming for the capital. Beijing added 50 new infections, 42 of which were symptomatic. Overall, Mainland health authorities reported 2,452 new coronavirus cases. North Korea has confirmed its first COVID deaths and says nearly 200,000 people are being treated in isolation for a fever after reporting an outbreak yesterday. State media said at least six people have died after showing signs of what it called a fever of unknown origin. 
Jin Li, a journalist previously based in Pyongyang, says the North is poorly placed to deal with the outbreak. They don't have medicine and they don't have proper facilities. It's almost like stepping back in time when you go into North Korean hospital or clinic. Nearly all the hospitals I went to did not have running water. And it's been decades that the North Koreans have really suffered from malnutrition, haven't had the right nutrients that they need to thrive. And so physically, many, many of the North Koreans would just not be able to fight off an infection. In Beijing, Foreign Ministry spokesman Zhao Lijian said China was monitoring events in the neighboring country and was ready to help if needed. China and North Korea are friendly neighbors attached by rivers and mountains. We are highly concerned about the COVID situation in North Korea, and we believe under the leadership of the North Korean government, the people will be able to beat the pandemic. China is willing to increase cooperation in fighting the pandemic, at the same time providing support and help according to North Korea's needs. Sri Lanka's new Prime Minister, Ranio Vikramasinghe, has warned of the scale of the task facing his country as it battles a grave economic crisis. He was speaking to the BBC in his first interview since taking office on Thursday. Mr Vikramasinghe said people in Sri Lanka needed solutions to problems such as fuel and food shortages. It is going to get worse before it gets better. So I am looking for all the details that I could tell the people of Sri Lanka this is the position and this is what we are planning to do in the coming months. I am worried because more than anything else, this can affect young people, their future. I want them to have a better future. Ukraine's foreign minister has asked a meeting of the G7 industrialized countries to seize Russian assets to help rebuild his war-torn country. Dmitry Kuleba says Russia is directly responsible for the global food crisis. Russia blocked Ukrainian ports. Russia targets with missiles the city of Odessa, the largest Ukrainian port, which was used to export Ukrainian agriculture to global markets. Sunflower oil, grain, corn, other products. They are all blocked in Ukraine. Not because of sanctions, not because of our unwillingness to export, but because of the Russian aggression and the Russian blockade of our ports. The Northern Ireland Regional Assembly will meet later for the first time since the historic election of an Irish Nationalist Party, Sinn Féin. But its main pro-British rival, the DUP, is angry about post-Brexit trade checks and says it will block the election of a speaker, meaning that a government cannot be formed. Geoffrey Donaldson is the leader of the DUP. Consensus is at the, the key principle at the heart of the Belfast Agreement. And there is not unionist consent for this protocol. Not a single unionist MLA elected to this assembly and taking their seats today supports the protocol. If the situation were reversed, does anyone seriously believe that we would have had talks and talks and talks and nothing resulting from those negotiations? Elon Musk says his proposed $44 billion takeover of Twitter is temporarily on hold. In a tweet, the Tesla boss said he was still waiting for the evidence that fewer than 5% of accounts on the platform are fake. Here's the BBC's Theo Leggett. 
The overwhelming speculation in the financial market certainly is that this is an excuse that Elon Musk is looking for an opportunity either to pull out of the deal altogether or to renegotiate the price. Now, why would he want to do that? Well, he's offered $44 billion, um, and a lot of that is borrowed money, and it's borrowed on the value of his Tesla shares, which has gone down recently, making uh, that borrowing potentially more difficult. And if you look at Twitter, the current value of the company, measured according to its share price, is some $10 billion less than what Elon Musk is offering. Sport. And in the NBA playoffs, the Miami Heat have advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals, finishing off the Philadelphia 76ers in six games. Jimmy Butler led the way with 32 points, and the Heat beat the Sixers 99-90 in Game 6. In the West, Luka Doncic scored 33 points to help the Dallas Mavericks force a Game 7 against the top-ranked Phoenix Suns. With a 1-1-3-86 win, Suns guard Devin Booker had this to say ahead of the deciding game. You know, they're a fourth seed in the Western Conference for, for a reason. Um, they protect home well, and they, and they did that today. You know, I think we worked all season to have home court advantage and get the last game in our house, and that's exciting. It's Game 7, man. I've never been in a Game 7, so this is going to be fun. On the ice, the St. Louis Blues thrashed the Minnesota Wild 5-1 to advance to the second round of the Western Conference playoffs against the Colorado Avalanche. Three other series will be going to Game 7. Toronto missed its chance to win a first playoff series in 18 years after conceding an overtime goal to Tampa Bay to lose 4-3 in Game 6. Boston, meanwhile, beat Carolina 5-2 and in Los, Angel Los Angeles, the Edmonton Oilers beat the Kings 4-2. For a preview of this weekend's English football action, here's the BBC's John Bennett. The Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp has the chance to complete his Liverpool trophy collection this weekend. If they beat Chelsea in the FA Cup final, it'll mean that Klopp has led the club to the Premier League, FA Cup, League Cup, Champions League, Super Cup and FIFA Club World Cup during his time in charge. The showpiece event at Wembley is a repeat of this season's League Cup final, which Liverpool won on penalties. Chelsea also lost last season's FA Cup final to Leicester City, so this is a chance for their manager Thomas Tuchel to get his hands on the trophy for the first time. The day after the final, Liverpool will be hoping for a favour from West Ham in the Premier League title race. The Hammers face leaders Manchester City, who can go six points clear of Liverpool with a win. West Ham are hoping for victory to take them closer to a place in Europe next season. At the bottom of the table, Leeds United need to end a run of three straight defeats to prevent them from slipping closer to relegation. They're third from bottom, ahead of the game against Brighton. Burnley are only above Leeds and out of the relegation zone on goal difference, so they're also under pressure away to Tottenham. And Everton still aren't out of danger. They play Brentford. Those are some of the big games to look forward to. This is John Bennett at BBC Global Sport. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Health officials have reported a COVID outbreak involving 30 people in Shangwan. The government has cut its economic growth forecast for this year to 1-2%. to And the chairwoman of LegCo's House Committee, Starry Lee, says the government will submit restructuring proposals to LegCo as early as next week. The news from RTHK.
Robin and Maurice Gibb actually was performed by the Bee Gees uh, during the 77 Saturday Night Fever sessions, which I think were being recorded in France. However, didn't actually get finished off and wasn't released until I think about 2006 or 2007 when it was remixed and issued on the Bee Gees Greatest, which I think was also a reissue as well. But the version we heard there wasn't the Bee Gees, obviously. It was a guy called Graham Bonnet. Well, it could be Graham Bonnet, as you prefer, like uh, the... Mrs. Bouquet. Into our second hour this Friday, Peter King with, of course, with our marvellous musical, magical mystery tour. If you'd like a song, it's Radio Pete at Gmail. Keeping it fairly brisk, considering it's Saturday, excuse me, Friday night. We'll check the weather for you at around about uh, 11.35. Then after midnight, as usual, Mondays to Fridays, we're on a sentimental journey. Let me see. 